0: Here you have this massive amount of water that's just falling hundreds of feet. It's just, just, the words can't express the glory of God's creation there. Uh, Just to give you an idea of the massive amount of water that flows through there uh, every day, uh, listen to this. Every second, 3,100 tons of water flows over the falls. 3,100 tons, massive amounts of water, crazy beautiful. Uh, if you've ever had a chance to go out west and, and see the mountains, we, uh, we've had the privilege of going to Wyoming as a youth, and we climbed up Mount Gypsum there, and to be able to look on just sort of on top of the world, at least in that area, and look out and see the wonders creation, you, you can't help, I can't help but, but leave in awe of God. Well, we have a real treat this morning in the second half of Ephesians 3 and Paul wants us to be filled with the greatness of God's power and he wants us to leave here amazed this morning in light of his love for us. We've been singing about it all morning and far greater than the beauty of his creation is the work that he does in us. And the reality is for us, to fully grasp the truth of God's word, we desperately need his power to do so. And that is exactly what is happening in every believer, even this morning. So let's dive into this glorious, deep passage. Ephesians 3, let me read, starting in verse 14. For this reason... and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious prayer this is. One that, Lord, we all need answered. Lord, we all need this in our lives, and so, Lord, I'm asking that, first of all, you would give me the strength the ability to communicate this effectively for your glory, Lord. That you would would speak through me this morning. And I I pray that you would open the hearts of the people, that they could receive your word. I pray that this prayer of Paul would be true for us today. God, that we we would be amazed, Lord, that even in the midst of any distractions that we may be thinking about right now, Lord, would you allow us to hone in on your word. God, that you would hone in on our hearts. That you would... Help us to comprehend the greatness of your power, the greatness of your love, God. We desperately need you. Our hearts are so fickle. Prone to wonder, are we, Lord? And so God, would you, would you do what only you can do this morning? God, would you, would you do miraculous work in our hearts? God, I thank you that you are at work. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice there in verse 14, it starts out with the same verses, uh, same three words in verse one for this reason. And as you may recall last week, Paul took a detour from really dealing with for this reason to speak about a few things that were important. Uh, He wanted the Ephesians the ephesian church to understand he was there to reveal a mystery to the gentiles a secret that up until christ had been kept quiet hidden and that secret is that gentiles and jews alike all who repent and place their faith in christ are now fellow heirs no longer does god Focus all of his attention on one set of people, but all of his people who repent of their sin and place their faith in Him. God has brought unity not only to man and God, but also between man and man. And he wanted to make it very clear as well that this message he delivered was not on his own authority. Rather, he received this message. He received this revelation from the Lord. And now in verse 14, he gets back to what he wanted to say for this reason. What reason is that? For what, what reason is he speaking love? It, it's it's in, in light of what he had mentioned previously. In, in, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 18, because they now have access to the Father for this reason, because you now have access to the Father. For this reason, because in verse 19, all believers are now united in Christ. There's even reference, I think, back to chapter 3, verse 13 as well here because of the temptation that we have to lose our hearts, to lose hearts. And it's also in light of the deep theological truth that was shared in previous chapters. For this reason, verse 14 continues, I bow my knees before the Father. So as you may know, in this book, this is the second prayer of Paul. He, he prayed first in chapter one, and, and he's praying here again in chapter three. You see, he understood the importance of the theological truths that he had shared previously and the incredible importance that they did not get it wrong. Now, Paul could have said, hey, for this reason, I'm praying for you. Like, like he could have said that. On on behalf of of you, I'm asking God something. But but he wants the church to understand the the importance of what he is praying. You see, Paul here is bowing his knee. He's hitting the floor. He He is desperately desiring that God opens the heart of the Ephesians church and and, and he's desperate for us. If, if he was here today, he, he, would, he would do the same thing. He would, he would lay prostrate before, before the Lord. God, please open their eyes. And I would make a suggestion to you. There, there are certainly, when it comes to bowing before the Lord, it's more about our hearts. But sometimes we should consider a physical bowing as well just to get our hearts in the right place see, Paul has just laid out incredible truth of the gospel. And he's desperate for God to move. Look at verse 15. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I actually like the way the KJV interprets it here. They, they use the word whole, which that word, the Greek word is pasa, and it can mean every, or it can mean whole. So really, a different way of reading it, perhaps you have this version or a version like it that says, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named. So, so this is referring, verse 15 is referring back to the Father. So the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is Named. This, is, this is why I think there's a little bit of significance here. For each family, how many fathers are there? There's one father. And what has Paul spent a lot of time previously speaking about when it comes to believers? There's unity. We, we come together. Look, I, 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 not only have I reconciled you to myself, but I've reconciled you to one another. And so he's speaking of like the father who has brought unity to everybody. Who, unity, so now we are part of the same family of God, and we have a name. The name of God's people is children of God. Listen, there's, there's a distinction we must make this morning. Not every person who is born is a child of God. Those who have not repented, sadly, are not children of God, but this is a u- unique name given to the one whom God is their father. I think it's worth noting too that there is only one church. Do we understand that? There's only one church. That's actually what Catholic meant. And so if you were to do some studies, like, uh, you know, Luther nailed the 95 Theses But he, he, I wonder how he would feel about the separation amongst the little C churches today. But ultimately, there's only one C church for everybody who has bowed the knee, repented of their sins and placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation is part of the big C church. And I think it's worth evaluating our own hearts. How often do we look at other people whom we have the same fundamental understanding of the gospel, yet we may choose to practice differently. How often do we find ourselves in judgment of our other brothers and sisters? There is unity that we have in Christ. Verse 16 continues. I bow my knee before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here, here is what we need to know in light of the greatness of God's power. Our hearts need the power of God to thrive, Our hearts need the power of God to thrive. What exactly does it mean to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being? What's, what's the inner being that he's referring to? It, it's, it's the essence of who we are. This outer shell is not who we really are. These are physical bodies that we will lay aside. He's speaking of what's inside. He's speaking of our hearts. And what Paul wants us to understand is that our hearts need God to strengthen it with power. Here's why. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it well. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And if you tie that in with Luke 6:45 where it says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. That's a dangerous combination, don't you think? <laughs> if our hearts are deceitful above all things and out of the abundance of our heart our mouth speaks. Like this is why Paul is like we need God's power. We need God's power. We need his strength to help our inner being. Our hearts can be dangerous if we don't keep watch over it. Just consider some of the things that come out of our hearts. We see this from the very beginning in Genesis, envy. Do you remember when Cain and Abel, they brought a sacrifice? Uh, Cain was a hunter, and so his thing was hunting for food. Abel was a a gardener, and then they brought their sacrifice. They brought a gift, and whose gift was received? Abel's, I don't really, we don't really understand why. And then Cain was like, oh man, bummer. <laughs> now, pain, uh, he was envious of Abel, and what did he do? He killed him. Now, I'm assuming nobody here has killed anyone <laughs> yet. Jesus draws the line in the sand, doesn't he? Anybody who has hatred in his heart is worthy of judgment. 1 John 4 hides no punches. It says, if you say you love God, yet hate your brother, you are a liar, and the truth is not in us. How easy is it for you to hate someone? How easy is it for you to be envious? Let's speak about bitterness and anger. How easy for us to stay bitter and be angry at others? I don't know about you, but but this is something that I am susceptible to. Turn with me, keep your finger here, turn with me real quick to James chapter four. So this is towards the end of the Bible. You got Hebrews and then you have James following Hebrews. James chapter four. Let's just look at a couple verses here to help us again understand the evilness of our hearts and why Paul is like, we need God's power in our inner beings. We need God's strength here. James four, starting at verse one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that it's other people's fault? Does it say that? Is it not this, the person that I'm married to? Is it not this, my parents who treated me the way they did growing up? Is it, is it not this, the job that I have, the boss that I have? That's not what it says. Is it not this, that your passions, your Passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. It's a serious thing, our inner man, as we are tempted daily to have our hearts stray from him. Tempted daily to pursue things of this world that will eat us alive. We need God's power to strengthen our hearts. But it's not just about putting off. It's not just about putting off these things. There's something that we need to put on. The first part of verse 17 says again that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Don't just put off hatred. Don't just put off anger. Put on Christ. Oh, that Christ would dwell, that his, his, he would give you strength so that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that you would make a home, that, that you would allow Christ to make a home in your heart. I think of Colossians 3.16 that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do we allow Christ to dwell within us? We dwell on his word, and then we saturate our souls with it. And then we plead for God that it stays We need God's power to strengthen our inner man, doing away with sin so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Let me ask you, how are you doing with allowing sin to dwell in your hearts? This morning, do you find yourself unrepentant sin? That God is calling you to cast aside and you you are clinging to it. My prayer for you this morning is that God would strengthen your inner man to convict you of that sin so that you would repent and you would allow Christ to dwell in your hearts. We need God's power in our hearts in order to thrive. Look at verse 17, the second part there. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? Here's what we need we need the power of God to understand the greatness of His love. We need the power of God to understand the greatness of His love. First of all, as, as Christ dwells in our hearts, as we do away with sinfulness, the Lord roots us and he grounds us in love, it says there. Being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted has the understanding of, of being firm, of going deep. You think of a tree that has strong roots that go deep and go out and creates a strong base, a strong foundation that cannot be shaken. Likewise, Being grounded has that similar understanding. We have firm footing. We're not being moved from side to side. And and this is what we have in Christ, in our salvation. He firmly plants us in his kingdom. We are seated in the heavenlies, as Ephesians says. We have a firm foundation. And where do we find stability? We find stability in love. We don't find it in doctrine. Although no doubt that adds fuel to the fire, Paul spent the first few chapters laying out doctrine. Doctrine clearly matters, but you can love doctrine. You can love arguing with people over theological truths, yet have no love in your hearts. Why do we need power to understand God's love? And what does it mean to be weak to be too weak to understand it because certainly that's our natural case we're too weak to understand and comprehend the depths of god's love for us turn with me now to first corinthians chapter 13 if you're around you know what this is it's the love chapter (laughs) you hear it at a lot of weddings rightfully so but this isn't this isn't a wedding thing unless you're speaking of the the bride of christ In the love that we are to have for Christ and for one another, listen to what the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 13 say. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. This is one reason why we do not have a drum set in our house. (laughs) I don't want kids banging around something where they can't put it and organize it well together. It's chaos. It has no value. If there's not love, and if I, have a prophetic, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. We need God's power to strengthen our hearts, to deepen our hearts in love and we need God's power so that we can comprehend the greatness of God's love for us. First of all, let me just say, I don't know about you, I can get pretty annoyed when people go on and on about God's love and they say things like, well, a God would never be judgmental, a loving God would never call out and never make things hard, a loving God would never do this, a loving God would never do that and refuse to ever speak of God's judgment on sin his condemnation of unrepentance. But but I've been convicted this week. I need to rest in the love of God for me. I need power to understand the greatness of his love. We can't go from one extreme to another. We can't speak of God's love and not speak of God's Righteous anger. And we can't speak of God's righteous anger without speaking of God's love. These, are, these two are actually tied together in a, in a holy kind of way. Paul here is praying that the believers are able to comprehend the magnitude of the greatness of God's love for you. Don't you find that interesting? Why do we need strength to comprehend God's love? Why doesn't Paul just pray that the saints would know God's love? For me, it goes back to verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart. We're so tempted to that, aren't we? So tempted to lose heart. Paul doesn't want us to simply know facts, he doesn't want us just to know about God's love. He wants us to comprehend them. He wants our knowledge to get from our heads and into our hearts. And when life is hard, when challenges come, when sickness comes, when trials come, when broken relationships come, what, do we, what are we tempted to find ourselves doubting? The love of God. Is he really loving? Does God really care? Prayers that seem biblical go unanswered. Does he even hear me? We can be so... Weak and fragile with our hearts. But what keeps our heart strong? Faith. Faith is when we comprehend truth and truly believe it in our hearts. Comprehension goes before, goes far beyond knowing. Comprehension means it sinks in and it hits you. And you see clearly. This is what Paul was praying. He's praying, Father, when their life gets hard, and their lives will get hard as you've promised, remind them of your deep love for them. Lord, remind them of your deep love that spared no expense for your pardon. Oh, how he he wants you to remember Jesus crucified for you, your sins. Put them on the cross. He wants you to remember that, not for you to live in shame, but for you to live in abundant joy, that the sins that should condemn you have actually been canceled on the cross. Can you comprehend that this morning? This morning, I was thinking about, uh, have you ever watched like, uh, like, um, trials. Have you ever watched, like, real trials? I'm not talking about the fake TV shows. I'm talking about, like, a real trial, and somebody that you were, like, you just, you have vicious anger towards what somebody's done. Please tell me I'm not alone in that. Like, have you felt that? I'm watching people, and I'm like, man, I hope they get hung upside down. Like, I I could have such anger in my heart. This morning, it struck me. my sin that hung him there. I'm the guilty one. Blood on my hands. It was clear as day. Guilty. And yet Jesus pleads before the Father his hands, his feet, his blood that was shed for Ben Hurts father he's innocent my blood has covered him pass over him that's what it means to comprehend the love of christ that would go and spare no expense for your pardon that's what paul is praying lord help them to remember their salvation came by grace through faith apart from works it's a gift of god our faith is a gift from god When you are overwhelmed with your weakness and your sinfulness, Paul wants you to remember he's pleading for God to open our hearts to remind us of of his love for us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Paul wants us to remember, he wants God to remind us that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. And we need strength because we are so tempted to look at ourselves and think, God, how could you forgive me? I did this yesterday and today. We need strength because we want to look at our own selves. And even though we might believe that we are saved by grace apart from works, we are trying to sustain ourselves in Christ by our works. And when our works don't measure up, we are tempted to think that God doesn't love us because we're worthless. And Paul's saying, no, Lord, give them the strength to hold firm in their faith, not because of anything that we can do, but because of what Christ has done for us. We need God's strength. When the addictions are wreaking havoc in our lives and we feel like we can't find victory, Paul prays that God would remind us that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Lord, strengthen them to remember your love for them. Keep them from forgetting. Help their unbelief. I want you to notice something, too. Look at verse 18 again. That you you may have strength to comprehend, and I want you to look at this next phrase, with all the saints. Make no mistake, we can understand glimpses of God's love on our own. But if we want the fullness of God's love, this is why he puts us in a family so that we can learn from one another. How often have you been with other believers and your eyes are enlightened, your heart finds great joy because somebody has revealed some things that you did not see. We're not supposed to comprehend this in our own little closet at home, in our own rooms by ourselves. We are meant to comprehend this with all the saints. God created us for a community. He reconciled us not only to God, but to one another so that we can experience his love together, so that we can comprehend it deeper together. Because look, it says this is is his love. The love of Christ surpasses knowledge. This is why we need the power of God. This is why we need each other, because the same spirit who dwells within Christ dwells within us. The same spirit that dwells within me dwells within you. And you have things to offer me, because God, it makes us, not self sufficient on purpose. Mainly we need him, but we also need each other in order to comprehend the greatness of the love of Christ for us. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4 9 and 10 says this Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. God has created us to be a part of a family. He's created us to rub shoulders with one another. Yes, it's hard work. Everybody knows that who has a father, a mother, a sibling. If you have anybody else in your life, you know that it's hard. Oh, but the sweet fellowship that comes when we gather together where we can, at a deeper level, comprehend God's love for us. Because our hearts are so tempted to drift. God's love is great towards us. May the Lord grant us the strength to comprehend together the greatness of it. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul turns his attention here. There's a shift in his prayer. It turns from asking God to do something to then just kind of, it's all focusing on the Lord. Making much of him. And here's the first thing that we see in this. The power of God is greater than you can imagine. The power of God is greater than you can imagine. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more, far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. Does that, does that not blow your mind? Have you ever prayed for something? Something? Or maybe, perhaps you have failed to pray because you're thinking, this is ridiculous. There's no way God's going to do this. This is too much. Oh, Lord, this would be too crazy. I can't even pray this because it's ridiculous. And what Paul is saying, God, you can do far more than we can ever think. We can't even imagine the greatness of God and what he can do. Our greatest requests, our greatest thoughts, our greatest imagination falls short of what God is able to do. It's like a child who says, Mom, Dad, could I have a cookie? No, you can have two. (laughs) Can we go to Lake Michigan this summer for vacation? No, we're going to the ocean. God is able to do far more abundantly and all we can ask or think, let that sink in. What will be your greatest prayer request this morning? God is able to do far more abundantly than that. Consider what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts my encouragement for you this morning brothers and sisters is pray big if you got faith to pray it pray it but here's why we need the strength to know the greatness of god's love sometimes he chooses not to answer our requests according to the way we would want to and we have to trust that his ways are greater man i think of prayer requests that i have prayed for and i can't thank god enough for not answering them because of what it might have done to my heart. Do you see why Paul has to pray that we have the strength to understand God's love, to comprehend it? Because sometimes his love says no. And that is the greatest gift we could ever receive. But we can miss out on seeing the the Lord move when we're living by our flesh rather than the Spirit. power of God is greater than you can imagine. Look at the second part of verse 20 there. It says it says this. According to the power at work within us. Here's what we see. The power of God is at work within you. The power of God is at work within you. In Romans eight eleven, we see that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Let that sink in you. This morning, this is something that is actively taking place. Yes, Paul is asking for the Spirit to move, but he's asking for extra strength that is needed to go deeper. We already have the Spirit working in us. He's asking us to comprehend the greatness of God so that our flesh doesn't get in the way of understanding that. This is an amazing. Power at work within us. The question I have is how often do we stifle that power? How often are we missing out on the fullness of God in our lives because we are allowing sin to reign in our mortal bodies? One reason why we miss out on God working our lives is because we aren't looking for the Spirit's work. We're trying to do everything on our own. We aren't living dependently on the Lord. We have forgotten that we are his workmanship, not our own. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has laid out, that we might walk in them. This is Ephesians 2.10. And yet too often we are looking at ourselves. We are planning good works for us to walk in, thinking this is what this is what I can do, and so I'm gonna do it, instead of like, Lord, what do you have to do? Your power is at work in me. Your power is greater than I could possibly imagine. Your love for me is greater than I could possibly imagine. Lord, do you have more for me? If you do, I need you desperately. But my fear for believers is how many are actually living desperately dependent on the Lord, or how many of us are just doing what we know we can do in our flesh? We are missing out from all that he can do because we are trying to take over. When you look at the Israelites in the Old Testament, what what was it that got them in trouble? I can do it better. I have my ways. I'm going to do it our way. They allowed sin to reign. They disobeyed God and failed to follow his ways. But then what would God do? Grace upon grace Mercy upon mercy over and over again. If they would repent, he would come to them. And here's the good news for us. We live in the new covenant. We are a mess. And yet, God will never leave you or forsake you. Brothers and sisters, the power of God is at work within you. Don't allow your sin to reign to keep you from seeing the power of God at work in you. Surrender before him. Here's the last thing. We are called to be glory reflectors. We are called to be glory reflectors. Look at verse 21 again. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. One cannot read and dwell on Ephesians 1 through 3, the first three chapters. Remain in Christ and fail to realize who deserves the glory. What's the mission of our church? Glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. What's the mission of your life? Glorify God by making disciples. The mission of our church is no different than the mission God has for you in your life. We are called to be glory reflectors. We want everybody to see the greatness of God. This is why we have to be dependent. This is why we gotta be careful that we're not carrying out our lives by our flesh. We're not just doing what we know we can do. We're doing what only God can do. So that when people see him like, how did you do that? He said, I didn't do it. It's it's Christ working through me. He's laid out work for us that we would walk in them because we're his workmanship. We're not our own workmanship. God wants the glory, God needs the glory in order for the world to be, to have Christ represented to them. We desperately need God's power in our lives because we so easily turn inward. We so easily want the glory. We so easily want to be noticed. Even in our spirituality, we want to sound smart. And so we, we choose not to pray in certain situations because we don't want to sound dumb. What is that? It's pride, right? Listen, I, I, I get it. Like I'm not trying to be overly harsh on those who don't pray publicly. But I would gently want to remind you, don't worry about what they think. There's nothing sweeter for me than a new believer who's fumbling through prayer and doesn't give a rip about what I think because he's so overwhelmed by God's grace and mercy for them. Oh, that we would be real. God is glorified in our authenticity. It says to be glory in The church, this is what our church is all about. We want God to be glorified. Let gospel community exist to bring attention and glory to you alone. I'm not here to build a big church. I'm not here to attract as many people as I can. I I want the Lord to be glorified. We as an elder team are convinced that we are nothing apart from Christ. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This isn't about other believers. We exist as a church so that God is glorified. If God chooses to blow us up and blow our doors out because the glory of God chose to shine upon us, so be it. But that's not our, our goal is not to grow. Our goal is to glorify. And I do believe that as we faithfully glorify God, he will bring the growth. But I just want a plant. I just want a water. God, let us be faithful in that, and then you take care of the rest. Let us get out of the way so that you will be Glorify. this morning. I was grateful, in a sense, that Zach's voice is messed up. I don't know if you noticed that he's sick, and it's like we don't we don't need we don't need that to glorify you this morning. I don't know about you. I was deeply encouraged this morning. I praise God when His voice is well, <laughs> but just reminded of of our weakness that God, we're we just desperately need you to work. You are the one who deserves the glory. And so let me ask you, whose glory are you living for? When you choose to do or not do things with other believers, when you choose to pray or not pray, is it from a place of fear of what people will think of you? I, I just encourage you with that. Don't be afraid. And if they judge you, who's that on? Like God will, God will have his way with them. <laughs> If you choose not to fellowship with other believers, is it because you're, you're afraid that you might be exposed? Let me just encourage you, if God exposes your sin, that could be one of the greatest gifts you will ever receive. Listen, I, I've had that happen and I hated it at times, but the end product has always been sweet because it's led to repentance and it's led to fruit in my life. Do you live your life like you're on Facebook 24 seven? You know what I mean by that? Social media, where we give our best, is <laughs> the best thing. Look what I get to eat. I'm not gonna show you the ramen noodles I had yesterday, but I'm gonna show you the steak I had today. Here's the best part of our family. We always get along. We always is great, look at this beautiful time. Look at my beautiful Bible open with my coffee there. I'm not, I'm not dissing that, <laughs> but I'm just like, listen. I'm like, there's, there are mornings and I'm crawling to the coffee. I'm crawling to the Bible. It's not pretty. I'm fighting for faith, and then when God chooses to use me, all I can do is like, why? Why should I gain from your reward? So here's here's what I want to do to close. I, I want I want you to spend some time. I'm going to have Zach come forward here, just. He's going to play a little bit. I'm going to lead us in a song, help spare his voice here shortly. But, but I want you to go before the Lord. What are, what are some of these? What, what do you need today? What do you need God to do? Are you, are you needing strength in your inner man? You're, you're seeing the deceitfulness of your heart. You, maybe you're caught up in sin. And you need the Lord to convict you. Perhaps you're an unbeliever. You just need your heart open to the gospel this morning. You you just need faith to believe that it's true. You need God to, to, to bring you from death to life. Perhaps you need prayer just to comprehend and be reminded of God's love that just cannot be fully understood apart from his amazing power. And so you need to be reminded that, yes, you're a sinner, but you've been saved by grace. Perhaps you just need your soul to be refreshed by the gospel that you're saved apart from your works. You're sustained apart from your works. Perhaps you need to repent of your individualism, refusing to allow others in because of fear of what people might think of you, that you need to get real. Perhaps the best thing at the end of service is for you to come either pray with Mark or myself. I'm sure Stacy, if you're you're more comfortable with a woman, she'd be willing to pray with you. Perhaps you came with somebody that you just need to pray. But here's what we're going to do for now. I'm going to give you time. You're just going to pray at your seats. I encourage you. Perhaps you need to bow. Perhaps you need to physically get low because of what you need the Lord to do in your life. Take whatever position you feel comfortable with. Let's just spend a few minutes, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to sing that song that we ended with, How Deep the Father's Love. But for now, I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray at your seats. Let me invite you grab your seats for a minute. I'll give you a few things to chew on this week if you want to go further. Let me encourage you, first of all, just memorize Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. My, my pastor, uh, growing up, he used to close every service with this. And so it is ingrained in my mind and in my heart. And so I encourage you to, to memorize that. Uh, and then spend some time just reviewing Ephesians 1 through 3. Every day, if you read through that, just praying through it, slowing down. Maybe you want to take one chapter at a time. Maybe, maybe you get stuck somewhere because you're just dwelling on it and you're thinking and the Lord's revealing. Just, just prepare your hearts. We need chapters one through three to be ingrained in our hearts before we move on to chapters four through six because four through six begins to move into Action. Now in light of the realities of who you are in Christ, here's how now you should live. And I think it's strategic that Paul has this transition of the end of chapter 3 into verses 4 because he wants the Lord to, for us to comprehend his love for us so that when we go about doing our daily duties, we're doing this for the glory of God. We're doing this because there are works that he has laid out in advance for us to walk in. And so we can't do it by our flesh. We need the, the, the Spirit's powerful work within us and then just a question to ponder this week whose glory are you really living for who are you wanting to be praised in your life when you are posting things on social media which I'm not opposed to by the way I do it when you are interacting at your jobs when you are leading people at your jobs when you are under someone at your jobs when you are parenting when you are being parented uh, whose glory are you living for and then I encourage you, spend some time writing out the ways that God loves you. And I want you to spend some time, because we, we can often think of God's love for us as being like the flowery stuff. Uh, God, he, he, you know, he, he spared no expense. He's given me a good family. I want you to think of the fact that sometimes God's love is he, he has struck you. He has wounded you because of your sin. But it's led to your Repentance go deeper than just the, the feel-good things about God's love. Now, because like, there is a certain way that God has wounded me, called me out for my sin that have hurt deeply, but have been the greatest ways he's loved me. So go, go beyond. Write them out and then thank the Lord for them. That will, that will do you well. Well, let me just remind you that we're always up front. Mark, myself, Aaron, when he's here. Uh, again, you can find Stacy if, you, if you're a woman and feel more comfortable, have her pray. If, you, if you're heavy-hearted, please don't leave here without at least having someone pray over you. Uh, we would love to do that for you. Find somebody else here who would pray for you. That, one of the sweetest things that I see is when I see the body praying together. It means two things for me. Number one, somebody's being honest. And then number two, somebody's willing to pray. Uh, don't say, I'll pray for you. Pray for them right then, right? Like, that's one thing I've tried not to do because... I'll say a pray and often I forget. And so if somebody asks you to pray, I encourage you to take that opportunity. Even if you've got two seconds, pray. Do that. Church, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have a great week.